Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we will be airing part two of my interview with John Droz. And this time, he's talking about the leftist climate guru who's really behind much of the U.S. climate policy of Joe Biden. And I know who you're thinking, but it's not Bill Gates. Stay tuned. What do you think uh, is going to happen? I don't know if uh, this is your area of expertise, but with the proposal for the Paris climate change that uh, this is signed, uh, Biden signed back into, um, and his climate policies, what do you think is going to happen with that over the next four years? This is something I do have a fair amount of knowledge about. So this is a um, what's going to happen is that uh, the United States is most likely going to follow along by. Uh, you know, playing along in the, the Paris Climate Accord game. Uh, in, in my view, it's it's a game, again, because of, there's a lot of contradictions if you look into this. If, for example, if, if everything was so desperate, particularly they're saying that the world's going to end by 2030 or some time of that nature, uh, yet the, the number one emitter of uh, CO2 here, China, doesn't have any obligation to do anything after 2030. How can that possibly make sense? It's just completely nonsensical that people can say, this is what we need to do, but yes, we're going to let off the people who are the most problem, causing the most problems. Uh, it's just completely hypocritical. In my view, this is all really about uh, uh, bringing America down. In my view, the person who's behind all this, that's the most important person that you ought to be aware of, is uh, Bill McKibben. Bill McKibben is uh, generally considered to be the leader of the worldwide environmental movement. So when Bernie Sanders, when Hillary Clinton, when Joe Biden sit down to make up uh, policies about such things, the person who's sitting there at the table with them is Bill McKibben. When the Sierra Club, when the Greenpeace, all these other organizations on the left decide what their messaging and policy is going to be, they call up Bill McKibben. He is the person behind all of these here. And that's, to me, one of the surprising things is how few people are even aware of that position here. Now, the second part is that once we understand that this is the guy that's uh, one of, if not the most uh, influential in the world, you ought to be known what his thinking is. Now, the good thing is he's given a lot of talks. He's written several books. Uh, his website is 350.org. Uh, but if you read some of his books here, you find some very interesting um, perspectives. Let's put it that way. So what's what's his take on things? Where is he coming from? Well, that's uh, so I'm going to get to. But uh, first of all, you need to know who he is. Uh, he graduated from Harvard, so I'd say he's a smart guy. But his degree, but I'm going to say, but his degree was in journalism. Oh, okay. He was, I don't know, editor of the Harvard Crimson or whatever. But his degree is in journalism. So, point. My my first point is that he has zero, none, nada credentials in science. He's not a scientist. 
has no credentials whatsoever in science. And yet he is the person telling everybody what to do about this scientific matter, quote unquote, climate change. How does a journalist dictate world policy on a technical matter? Well, that's the type of absurdity we're living in. Well, what his answer is, his answer is, well, I have consulted with multiple experts. And I say to that, well, that's good, but uh, how did you choose those experts to consult with? Well, the fact is, the only people he's really consulted with are people that have uh, alarmist perspectives. What is his view? Well, in my in my opinion, this is an opinion, uh, one of the most influential or indicative, I should say, things that he said in one of his writings was he asked a question, are American citizens today happier than they were in 1900? Okay, well, that's an interesting question. Uh, but my my response would be, number one, happiness is not something we can quantify. So I don't know how you can say this person's happier than another person. That's not really that quantifiable. But second of all, we have no data to say what the degree of happiness uh, was in 1900. How can we go back and say, here's the level of happiness those people in 1900? Uh, it's impossible to say that. And yet he makes a conclusion. His He goes on to answer his own question. And he says, well, Americans were happier in 1900. Okay, fine. So that, that's his premise of a lot of his arguments here. Well, from that, he then says, okay, well, why were they happier then than they are today? Well, that's an interesting question. Even if you assume he's right, I, I don't think he's right, but even if you assume he's right, he then goes on to say that uh, the reason that, that we're less happy today uh, he doesn't use the word materialism, but uh, to probably to most people, that's 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 what he would mean. Uh, that we're that we're too too materialistic. That isn't the exact word he used, but uh, I'm just saying that would be the layperson's translation. That this materialism we have, all these these things we have, don't cause us happiness. They actually uh, reduce our happiness. No. From a Christian perspective, there's probably some truth to that, right? Materialism doesn't correspond with being a better person, holier person, happier person. No, like materialism is, a, is an illusion in a lot of ways. But uh, that isn't really his, he's not talking about it from a religious point of view. His perspective is to say, well, okay, what's behind all these materialistic things? And his answer to that is fossil fuels. In other words, you wouldn't have a nice car or two cars, or you wouldn't have a nice house, or you wouldn't have all these types of things here that we have. 95 plus percent of everything we have that's considered a, um, a modern uh, benefit, whatever, is based on fossil fuels. It's like pu pulling it out of a hat, um, you know, because any thinking about that, there's so many different things that he could have chosen. In in 1900, they had huge families. Now we have, you know, one or maybe two children. There's a monumental change there. But no, he chooses fossil fuels. Okay. Well, he's talking about materialistic things here is the, the difference. He's blaming materialism to uh, for the word he uses is modernity. Okay. I mean, that's the word he actually uses. Uh, so he says the fault of why we're less happy today is due to modernity. 
Now, the problem is most people will say, well, what the hell is modernity? So that's why I'm saying effectively it amounts to materialism. That's why he's saying having having more stuff, more things is not making you happier. And, and, and that part technically is right. But then to say most of these things we've gotten here, whether it's phones or all this kind of other stuff, are based on fossil fuels. Well, that's right, too. It is. So he's saying if if we hadn't had these fossil fuels here, we wouldn't be uh, swamped in all of this materialistic modernity stuff here that's really making us less happy. I was actually surprised to hear you say it was McKibben, because when you were leading up to that, I thought you might be talking about Bill Gates, who is quite the guru as well. Um, also on, on climate change, he wrote a, a climate change book saying, uh, you know, we have to come to uh, zero greenhouse emissions. Um, you know, what do, what do you make of Bill Gates? Bill Gates isn't some genius like he's made out to be. He was effectively in the right place at the right time. He did some good things here, but uh, most of it sort of fell into his lap. Hmm. But of the two, I would say, in my opinion, that Bill McKibben actually has probably more influence over our climate change environmental policies than Bill Gates does, because he's leading the environmental movement. Bill Gates isn't perceived as the person who's in head of the environmental movement. He's sort of a techie guy that's, you know, I don't know. He's the vaccine guru, the COVID guru. Um, he's written books on climate change. Unbelievable. But similarly, um, no no uh, background in it scientifically anyway. Yeah, well, he has more science background than Bill McKibben does, certainly. But um, as I say, if you really understood how Bill McKibben made his money, two things. One is he fell into it. And the second thing was he stole a lot of stuff. I mean, he he publicly acknowledged it in a court case that he stole stuff. So, for instance, he stole the uh, Macintosh interface from from Steve Jobs and company uh, to to do uh, Windows. So he was sued by Apple about that. And under under court cross across the examination here in trial, he admitted <laughs> under oath that he had stolen. So it's not, it's not a theory. He admitted. It. But then, the, so the question came down to in the court case, uh, okay, you stole all the stuff that Apple has patents on, which he acknowledged. Uh, so he and his attorney, uh, Boyles, another high-end high, high end attorney here, uh, their argument was, since they there was no debating that they stole it, they their argument was that Apple shouldn't have ever been given patents on the things they were given patents. Well, it was a pretty pretty desperate uh, strategy, but actually it worked. <laughs> the, the judge sided with them and said, "Well, yes, Apple, you have like fifty patents that were been have been infringed upon here by Bill Gates. Uh, I'm dismissing all of these patents." <laughs> How many people know that? Uh, that was that was just beyond astounding. Here, you're talking about some of the influence of judges and stuff here, but well, just in in closing, John, if you could tell us what. What would you suggest people, lawmakers perhaps, can do about all of this, all of these things that are going on right now? Because they're threatening our election integrity. They're threatening our livelihood even because with, with the whole uh, paying attention to the, the climate change theory or, or whatever, we're just damaging our own economies left, right and center. Um, and and uh, the future is, is being threatened. How can we take action? We need to see the big picture of what's going on here. 
And until we see the big picture, unfortunately, we're all involved in day-to-day stuff here. We need to stand back and say, what is the big picture? And once you understand that the big picture is really to push us back to be an agrarian society, uh, a communist agrarian society, uh, that, that that'll answer effectively anything else you're going to see. A lot of stuff will all of a sudden start making sense. Uh, the best film I've seen on this, I'm uh, I'm sort of a film buff, but uh, is called uh, Grinding America Down. It's it's amazingly spot on about what's going on here, and uh, it's 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 disturbing. But you know, you said, what do we need to do? What we need to do is understand what we're what we're up against here. If, if, if we're if we're distracted or if, if we believe that all these people are being honest about uh, election malfeasance being zero, if we believe that's honestly true, well, we're, we're, we're just buying a pig and a poke here. If we believe all their claims about climate change are honestly true, uh, we're, 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 we're just we're not going to be able to effectively respond to it. So. Understanding what the big picture is, then the other things I said here, that people on our side here, the allies, need to work better together, and they need to have better messaging. So all three of those things are sort of tied together. But the the working together and the better messaging would help in educating people as to the big picture of what's going on here. Awesome. John Dros, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, and may God bless you. Thank you, John Henry. I appreciate the opportunity. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we're communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers, are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. 
We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.